Welcome to episode 163 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL's return to prime time and the return of another absolute legend, plus so much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 163 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, COVID ain't over until it's over, but the NRL don't care. We're back this weekend. The NRL is back. The first major sport across the world to be back to prime time. What do you reckon? Are you pumped? I am uh, I am super pumped. I can't wait for round 12, sorry, round three <laughs> of the 2020 uh, NRL season, and it's going to be an absolute blockbuster. I've got to say, I am thinking that this might be the best rugby league we've seen uh, maybe for the past few months, Dr. T. This, this round... It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. So really, really can't wait. Um, it's going to be such an interesting uh, sort of experience to see how all these clubs were able to handle the situation. Um, you know, are we going to have face masks, players playing with face masks um, on the field? Is there going to be some, uh, is there going to be some people with gloves on as well? Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it, it will be uh, very, very interesting on, on, all the all the speculation, it's out, it, it's there, and uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait. So, how about yourself, there, Doctor T? Look, uh, I, I'm so pumped. I mean, uh, you know, just looking forward to James Maloney practicing. No, actually, no, I was going to say practicing <laughs> social social distancing by not tackling people. You know, anyway, but look, unfortunately, <laughs> he's not with us. But you know, good good on him wherever he is over there in France. But look. Uh, I look. I'll tell you who else is pumped. Channel Nine because uh, they are getting smashed by MasterChef in the ratings, um, and so oh, wow. they must be looking forward to the return of uh, of their the the golden goose or the goose that yeah. laid the golden egg. And so uh, I the think the cash um, cow. <laughs> that's right, the cash cow that is rugby league. Um, yeah, not necessarily the cash cow on Channel Seven, uh, but yeah, the the actual. Cash cow, so yeah. Yep, not TM copyright. No, not that one, but the <laughs> the lower lowercase uh, C cash cow, normal cash cow. Um, look, yeah, look, I'm pumped. I think uh, it, I'm just looking forward to it. It's been so long. Uh, I'm I'm kind of, you know what, Tish? Like the thing is, I've been we've been doing some pretty interesting things here on the podcast. We've mm. tried our hand at different things. We were doing it anyway. We were going to do it anyway before the COVID crisis yep. uh, first hit, but. Look, uh, you know, so it's it's kind of it's been exciting to be able to uh, take a break from the the, the weekly uh, kind of uh, regular podcasts that we normally do. Uh, we've still been doing them, but not every week. We've been kind of been able to concentrate on other things. So it's it's exciting to actually get back to enjoying the football again and actually focusing on 
on games. Uh, you know, obviously the other thing that that's really exciting is the fact that, um, you know, the return of NRL is uh, it's it's a triumphant return in a way because since the very beginning, uh, you know, they had a lot of pressure on them. Uh, you know, in terms of, but you know, not 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 going into social distancing or lockdown as quick as some of the other sports, um, wanting to, you know, wanting to find out where all their money went. <laughs> you know, they got rid of a CEO. There's been so much drama in the last, uh, you know, however many, is it 10 weeks now that we've been off off the air, I guess, uh, from in terms of the NRL, that it's been, it's been just unbelievable. And it's, I'm hoping that, you know, finally we're getting getting to see actual rugby league stories rather than stories about, you know, what's been happening behind the scenes, which we always get anyway. But without any respite from that, without any actual footy to talk about, all we've been getting is drama after drama, you know, people arguing, is Peter Volandis doing the right thing? He's a bully. He's a this, he's a that. Is he good for the game? Is he not? What happened to Todd Greenberg? You know, all of that we can put aside for 80 minutes you know, uh, depending on who your team is this weekend, you can sit down and watch your team play and support them. And I think that's, I think that's what I'm most looking forward to is back to normality, back to just the game itself and enjoying the game, the the purity of the game that we love. And and so I guess that's uh, to me that's the biggest thing. But yeah, Tish, I'm I'm pumped. I'm hoping that this is a uh, uh, as I said, the the NRL returning is kind of a bit of a look. A month ago, we were talking about them saying that they wanted to come back within a month. And at the time, we were, you know, knee deep in this crisis, uh, in lockdown and all that kind of stuff. And there was no chance, you know, people were saying, there's no way we're going back on May 28th. Well, here we are. <laughs> we're a, an inch away from May 28th. And the, the first game of round three is about to kickstart. And, uh, you know, they said you'd never make it, NRL, but you finally pulled through. <laughs> You need That's you right. need a, a you need a two easel. I don't know. I don't even know what that jingle is from, but uh, it's from an old ad. But um, but there you go. Uh, we're back, and uh, we're we're proving that you know they were right all along to suggest that we could uh, they could come back this soon. Uh, you know, with certain measures in place. So good on them. But look, Tish, do you have anything else before we kickstart our our six tackles? No, I think uh, you know, like everybody else, we can't wait to get started. Let's get into our set of six. Here we go. Tackle number one. Peter Volandis aiming to have crowds at NRL matches by July. So no sooner has he was he, you know, lambasted for for these this ridiculous pie in the sky kind of, you know, what you want the NRL back by May. No sooner has he done that, he's pulled this one off. Now he's suggesting we want crowds in July, and and I guess uh, he must have access to the best uh, predictive modelers, I guess, in the world because uh, he was right one time. I wonder if they're right this time that uh, the social distancing, the way the crisis is going, that they'll be able to have crowds back by July. Uh, Tish, tell us more about this one. Yeah, well, look, um, I think the comment that he made um, is that we're on the moon at the moment. Now we're looking to get to Mars. And, uh, you know, so he's... Uh, is he, he wants to like to Elon Musk, seeing... is he? <laughs> he's our Elon so. Musk. <laughs> he, yeah, he, and you know what? He, he kind of he is a bit of an Elon Musk. You know, look, um, we haven't even got onto the field yet. 
and uh, he is already talking about bringing crowds back in. Um, so no, uh, so and it's it's been um, in, in the short of Landis era, it's kind of been a bit like that where you know P- Peter has sort of um, you know he's tried to put in the forefront, try to put him a little bit ahead of what else is happening, and actually set you know goals in place like set uh, short term goals, which is you know and. Um, you know, stretching goals. It's not like you know, hey, you know, we, we want to see Origin play by the end of the year. Well, that's you know, that's that's stretching, but it's not that stretching. Uh, but stretching out to to introduce crowds. You know what that does? It kind of makes everybody else stand up and say, "Wow, like, uh, are they are the NRL going to be able to pull it off this time?" You know, and uh, and I think they can. I think the I, I think the crowds can can come back by July first. Um, they're already talking about how that's gonna, and this is the interesting thing about. Um, his sort of approach is that when he actually mentions something like, hey, we want to have crowds by July 1st, all of a sudden everybody starts talking about the logistics of how it could work. Where they start talking about, okay, well, we'll need to temperature everybody in. Okay, all it also means that we can't have people sitting next to each other. They're going to have to be one seat apart at least, you know. So that means you're only going to get 50% of the audience. But at least, you know, they're starting to talk about the conversation Whereas if you don't mention anything, um, you don't say you want crowds to come back, you don't, you, don't, you don't mention anything at all, then nobody actually does anything. Or nobody actually thinks about how this could work. So I think he's kind of hit a little bit of a – something that probably rugby league had in its back pocket a little a little bit where they sort of said, hey, we've got this goal. How do we go go about achieving it? And um, and I think rugby league's kind of responded to that. You know, Now I hope he sort of thinks, okay, we want to take the game to America. How do we do that? You know, like you know, we want to uh, we want to expand out to the western seaboard of Australia too. How do we do that? You know, and then um, you know, if you set the goal, uh, you know, um, not in the not too distant future, uh, but in a, in an achievable time frame, uh, I think you could make things happen. And I think he's he's actually shown that to be to be worthwhile. However, there's one thing I didn't mention. Um, on the other side of things, I think his futuristic plans. Uh, are pretty good. His retrospective uh, lookbacks, I think, are a bit questionable um, because I did hear on w- uh, Wide World of Sports uh, over the weekend, um, he actually said that you know his biggest regret in this whole situation is actually not stopping the game. <laughs> like, they should have let it run. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that could have been possible because of the severe lockdown we had, right? So don't know if his revision on history is as good as his uh, ability to sort of push rugby league to the next level um, in the short run he's had. So uh, that's how I sort of see the situation. Uh, what are your, what's, what's the angle you sort of see of that Dr. T? Yeah, look, uh, without wanting to kind of turn this into a, let's analyze uh, Volandis hour. Cause uh, I think we did that <laughs> like a couple of episodes ago. He, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've been seeing a lot about, you know, He's very polarizing. You know, you see a lot of people on social media who go, uh, oh, he's the best thing. Isn't it great to have a, an administrator who just, like, kind of gets things done? And, uh, you know, in, there's been all sorts of uh, articles in the media about is he the best sports administrator in Australia? Like, he's, he's able to he's, – he's pulled off almost a few miracles and when he's had a very ambitious – like you said, a stretch – more than a stretch goal. It's a it's – a, like, it's literally, like you said, you know, going to the moon kind of goal. Uh, very aspirational goals uh, 
compared to what others are doing, which are very cautious at these in this point in time. And he's kind of done the opposite and gone, we want this. Uh, what can we do to get it done? He pushes as hard as he can, even if it, it does not make him look good, even if it makes him look like, look. Uh, to be quite frank, it makes him look like a bit of a bully. And that's what like, social media has been sort of all, and, and the media in general, there's, like I said, it's been split. There's been quite a few people that say, you know, yeah, but, you know, look, he's, he's a bully and you can't have bullies run things like that. Well, this is a... This is the thing about Peter Volandis is that, you know, he is polarising. Yes, he does behave in that way. But by the same token, as rugby league fanatics for many years as we as we are, and everyone listening will agree as well, that, you know, one of the things we've always complained about is that we've, you know, some of the things that we've wanted to do very recently, and I'm talking about in the last, you know, few decades, not just in the last couple of years, I'm talking, you know, even since the Great Super League War, um, you know, we haven't really been as ambitious anymore. I mean, how have we not gone back to to Perth? I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, we've seen a rugby union team come and go. We've seen, mm. you know, we've seen all sorts of things come and go. And in that whole space of time, we didn't even try to go to Perth when, when the crowds are calling out for it, when there's a, you know. So sometimes it's good to have someone who's ambitious and a bit of a head kicker and gets stuff done and gets results. Um Sure. Is it going to be around in the long term? No. Administrators like this are never going to be much loved and beloved and, you know, have, uh, you know, he's going to make many enemies. But you know what? He's probably going to push us forward so much quicker in his however short space of time, amount of time he has uh, at the helm. And we're going to thank him for it. We're going to look back and say, you know, he was a real turning point. Uh, I honestly did not expect this, <laughs> you know, when we when we heard about him and and him as being a, even a candidate for the CEO role, etc. Uh, you know, last time around when um, uh, you know when when Todd Greenberg got the role, um, and even when they were talking about commissioners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, he uh, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect him to be that kind of a person. I hadn't honestly. I'd not even heard of him. Did not even know what he looked like, um, you know, and all of a sudden now he's all over the media and people talking about what he did at Racing uh, New South Wales and what he's still doing, um, you know. So it's really fascinating, fascinating individual. And I think for now it's good that he's on our side and, and that he's actually pushing us forward. Um, and if it means, look, criti- critically, crucially, if it means that the NRL is getting eyeballs in America. It's getting eyeballs into Europe because we are the first major professional sporting code to go back to playing as of tomorrow, uh, you know, 28th of May. This is a, it's a masterstroke. I mean, you know, this at a time when people are desperate to renew their sport subscriptions on TV, <laughs> you know, a lot of people would have uh, quit their Foxtel packages just because there's no mm. sport on, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is kind of, uh, he's he, whatever he's done, he's, it's a masterstroke. And if this is what he wants to do to get crowds back, again, because it looks better on TV, I think that's part of it as well. Um Look, let's see how he goes. I mean, he's going to push the boundaries. Let's see, you know, others are going to push back. And look, to be honest, in the end, the government, um, the medical advice trumps whatever he wants. But 
If he's going to push mm. the boundaries, I'd want him on, put it this way, you want someone like him in the trenches with you rather than on the opposite side. And that's kind of uh, how rugby league people should feel about it. Even though he's a, you know, you may not like his personality or his style. The fact is, if he gets results, it's beneficial to all of us. So uh, anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a rant. But like I said, we could do a Peter Volandis analysis hour. That's right. Until the the next, uh, you know, Parramatta Eels premiership victory, which could be whenever. (laughs) But, you know. It's a, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that before we uh, move to tackle number two? Yeah, look, I, I think, I think so. I think it's a personality like him, as you said, he's in the short time that he has been uh, the head of the game. Uh, you could see that, um, you know, his approach has been very effective. And, you know, let's see where it goes because I think we do need to get more ambitious. And I think um, the fact that we're the first team, first sport to be out of the blocks in the world shows that we have a great more capacity than what we uh, believe in ourselves. So in many ways, it's uh, it's almost like, um, you know, you know, Pe- Peter's view on what rugby league can do probably outweighs what a lot of other administrators in Israel felt that rugby league could do. And um, it kind of shows that in his ambition and it's um, showing that at the moment with the results and uh, let's hope that we continue on this upward trajectory. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number two. Right, tackle number two. So no sooner are we talking about the NRL back from the dead, but we have the return of another legend, and uh, that is Greg Inglis. He is coming out of retirement next year. Wow. With Mm. Super League's Warrington Wolves. Tish. What is uh, the scoop on Greg Inglis to the Wolves? Yeah, well, he kind of broke the internet a little bit. Um, you know, hell froze over a little bit, but, you know, Greg Inglis has come out of retirement and has signed for the Warrington Wolves for the 2021 season. Um, look, you know, Greg Inglis, 33-year-old center now, he retired from rugby league in April 2019. I think he just was nominated captain of... Queensland for one game and then straight afterwards, uh, you know, a few few games afterwards, he actually announced his retirement. But, you know, he scored over 150 tries in the NRL, more than 265 games for Melbourne and, and South Sydney. Um, you know, I know that there's uh, the the Melbourne Premiership is a bit of a bit of an asterisk around that name, but in South Sydney, he did win a legit Premiership. Um, Inglis has also played 32 games for Queensland and has earned 39 caps for Australia. Um you know, Inglis basically said, I can't wait to get over there and play for a club that has so much rich heritage. Obviously, the heritage of Warrington Wolves, probably, uh, you know, and the heritage of, of the Rabbitohs. He's, he's certainly a heritage club man. Um, and he's basically said that he's seen success in, um, I've, I've seen the success the team has had in the Challenge Cup, and I want to help them deliver them to glory. Um, I've played over in England many times in representative footy. I love the passion and, and, and you know, and support of the teams. Um, and obviously, you know, he's really wrapped that he's got an opportunity to play rugby league in the UK. And uh, obviously, you know, a few years ago, he actually had a medical retirement. So he's basically like he was medically unfit to play, but time on the sideline, getting his body healed, not taking the bumps and grinds for two years. You know, he kind of feels he's ready to get back and, um, you know, get back into the super league. Um, very, very interesting. Cause you know, we don't really hear these days too many players being able to come back from retirement. Question for you, Dr. T, 
do you think he'll be uh, effective in the English Super League and be that damaging player he was in the NRL, be the same damaging player in the Super League? That's a good question. Uh, it's hard to tell because, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how he's been keeping in the last year or so, whether he's been keeping fit and, uh, you know, I guess it wouldn't take him that long to get match ready. But, I, you know, remember his uh, his key skill set isn't speed necessarily. He He's like a thoroughbred horse. He's, he was trampling over players. He's got an amazing fend. Uh, and and just generally his kind of, um, you know, his presence. He's got an imposing presence that really sort of inspires his teammates. So, um, and also he's got, you know, he's, he's won premierships at two different clubs. He's been part, a central part of that Queensland uh, winning, you know, record-breaking state of origin uh, winning streak. And, and so... He he's got winning in his DNA, you know, and so he's he is going to hopefully impart that kind of uh, that knowledge and that attitude of what it takes to win, what you need to do to just push through the pain and 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 how it's kind of a marathon. Uh, a lot of these seasons, uh, it isn't just about the short term success. You know, he's done it with the Rabbitohs. He's brought glory to the Rabbitohs after so long. Uh, I don't know if Warrington's ever won uh, a premiership, uh, you know, over there. But maybe, uh, regardless of that, they they certainly have had a rich heritage um, in terms of you know being thereabouts near the top of the heap for so long. And so, you know, for him to go over there uh, and and support that. I think is going to be really great. It's it's also another kind of um, shot in the arm for the Super League over there, you know, to have another superstar, a very well-known, uh, you know, player, uh, you know, having maybe Sonny Bill and Inglis in the same comp would be amazing again. So, you know, they've got so much to look forward to over there. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'd be interesting to see how he comes back. But I think... I think he will do uh, some good things for them. Don't don't forget, they were kind of near enough to the top of the heap as it was. So maybe all they need is that X factor, that kind of winning uh, winning attitude for someone who's been there and done that. And I think he can bring that. So yeah, we we possibly may see uh, the next Challenge Cup winners. We may see the next uh, uh, league winners, Super League winners, uh, and and maybe both. Maybe they'll win the double. Who knows? What do you think, Tish? Yeah. Well, I think uh, having uh, – uh, well, firstly, for Greg Inglis, what's going to be interesting is when he gets tackled, <laughs> right? He hasn't had to take a tackle for a long time, right? Gets tackled, getting back up, playing the ball. <clears throat> That's when the reality will hit about playing professional rugby league again. And I think when um, – you know, once Greg's past that hurdle, if he's, uh, you know, if he's as, as good as a player as what he was in the past – you know, he could be that damaging... He's a match-winner type player, you know, and sometimes, you know, if you're a team that are sort of near the top but really have, uh, haven't have really made it to the next step, you do need, you know, another match-winner perhaps to try and get you, you know, those close games where you need that try in the last minute. You know, Regulus is that type of player that can uh, produce something to, to create that sort of opportunity. So um, I think... You know, I think it's a it's a, it is a risk, but I think it's a it's um a calculated risk, and obviously we wish him all the best. It would be amazing if he if Warrington did win, and then 
you know, then he has to play an NRL team uh, for the, you know, for the uh, club championship, right? The, uh, the World Club, the World club Challenge. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that would be interesting as well. And, um, you know, just doing a bit of history, a bit of research on Wikipedia about the Warrington Wolves. Um, the last time they've won the championship apparently is 1955. So that is that is a huge drought wow. to uh, to try and break. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, the most capped player is Brian Bevan, also an Australian, who capped who played 620 games for uh, for that's got to be fake, right? That's a, that's an amazing amount of games wow. um, played by Brian Bevan. I know he's got a, a try scoring record. Um, might have a try scoring record in rugby league history, right? For the most number of first grade tries, I think it's somewhere, uh, yeah, somewhere close to like, uh, yeah, what is it? It's about yeah, seven hundred fifty seven tries by Brian Bevan, which is absolutely amazing. But yeah, so so he's joining a club that uh, that that knows how to score tries. Put it that way. So unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Should be good. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, let's uh, shall we move on to tackle three. Let's do it. Here we go. So tackle number three, here we go. All right, so the referees' union agree with the NRL on one condition. Tish, what's the background? And I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear what is this one condition that they've agreed on. Okay, well, look, um, the referee hearing that the NRL want to go back to a one-referee system. Obviously, we've played a two-referee system for the last five, six years, for a good part of a decade anyway. Um, so the referees went on strike and the NRL have uh, secured a significant win with the referees dropping their threat of industrial action uh, and, uh, you know, and the pocket, uh, you know, over the pocket official being scrapped. Um, uh, and uh, basically the reason why the referees have actually agreed to come back is that under the deal, uh, all 22 full-time referees will be employed this year and um, with the one referee system to be a trial that we will review at the end of the year. So basically, the referees have agreed to come back um, for this one referee system, but they do want it to be reviewed at the end of this season uh, to see whether we should continue with the one referee and whether we should, uh, you know, all go back to the whole two referee uh, scenario. Um, look, also that ha- it also has been conf- confirmed that the six again uh, rule change is also going to take effect um, as of this round as well. I don't know if that's going to be under review again as well, but I think it actually should be because I think that's actually a very significant change in the game. Uh, but the one referee, uh, it's on trial for this season. Look, interesting. I, I heard Paul Gallen talk about this, and he actually makes a really good point which is all through your, as a player, all through your career, you are playing under the one referee. It's only in the NRL and state of origin levels that, it, you know, it's two referees. And then you've got the international, you know, international rugby league, which is also one referee. So going to one referee uh, shouldn't really be as big as a deal as what the referees have made it out to be. Um, and I do sort of agree with that, but I also think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you are sort of tinkering halfway through the season. I'm not 100% sure if you should be this experimental, but that's my thoughts to Dr. T. How about yours? Yeah, look, uh, look, it's, there's a lot there, isn't it? But I think the, the, the key thing is that if they're happy to go ahead, but with the, the proviso, under the proviso that 
that we're going to have a think about it <laughs> and another look at it. I think that's kind of what we should have done <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, the, the the general issue of the fact that we've gone, you know, to two referees and what that means. I, I think this this kind of um, uh, I think I think this approach was misguided from the beginning. Uh, but I, in the sense that what the way we the way we kind of uh, the way we practically uh, we, the way we put it into practice was different to uh, I, I guess the way most people would have expected. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people when it first came in, uh, you know, we may have spoken about this as well. Were thinking, look, the two referees, uh, how can it work? Well, if you look at places like you know NFL and other other teams, major professional team sports, we've got um, you know multiple adjudicators on the field anyway, uh, but each one has a role, and it it each in each way it's very clear to the players. Um, and what we found with the NRL, I think, and we've always compl- I've always complained about this anyway, uh, is that you know often it's hard to work out who's the lead referee. Uh, yeah. and, and even if you switch the lead referees at halftime or whether you do it on every tackle or whatever, um, even if you switch it more than once, to me, that's a problem because it, a lot of the time it, you know, you need to have someone who's very clear from the beginning of a game. This is my role. I'm the head referee for today. This guy's reporting to me, that guy, that lady, that whoever, that touch judge, they're all reporting to me and I need the information from them. And it's a relationship between those uh, officials and the players. And and to have that switch, you know, every second <laughs> set of six or every half or whatever, however they did it, again, I never really was clear how they actually did it. Um, it, it, it sort of, it's not a good look and, and it makes things very confusing. And I think this is why we've had, you know, even within games, we've had inconsistent, you know, uh, refereeing decisions. We've had people say, I don't understand, you know, we've, we've uh, you know, people complaining to referees about, you know, last half we were, you know, we were not getting up quick enough and now you're penalising us all the time. Well, no one ever stopped and asked. Well, it was a different referee probably <laughs> that was actually adjudicating on those things. I mean, that's kind of why. You don't get that with one Honestly, you'd never really got that in-game variability of decisions uh, mm. as much as you do now. And the obvious reason is because we've got multiple referees. So really going to one referee, to me, is a no-brainer. However, I do understand that from the referee's perspective, they've been operating under a different system for a while. They're used to this system. And and for them, it's like it's a new thing. And... Uh, but having said that, the purist in me thinks, well, you know, every other level of the game is able to handle one referee. And while we have, um, you know, the much more at stake at this professional elite level, well, do you know what we also have? We also have lots of video cameras everywhere. So, yeah. you know, really it's about using the technology correctly, mm. uh, applying the rules correctly. And whenever the other bad sign that we have is, look, if the bunker is constantly being, uh, you know, a video refereeing decision board in in-game decision board is what the bunker is. They, uh, if we're questioning their uh, accuracy, 
maybe it's got something to do with the fact that the rules themselves are not clear. <laughs> you know, has someone ever thought that? Maybe we need to fix up the rules so that mm. the video camera, you know, it should be very easy once you've got cameras everywhere to work out what's going on. And if you can't, I would suggest there's more there are more problems than just the cameras and, and the people in the bunker. So, uh, you know, the referee's good on them for actually working with the NRL to get a resolution to this drama. Um, hopefully they, you know, it will, uh, it won't be too much of a big deal anymore, but I think, you know, they have every, every right to push for what they believe is right. And, uh, and I, I'm not against a review of, of any kind of major thing like this anyway uh, at the end of the year. So I think that makes sense. So I agree with that. Uh, Tish, your final thoughts on this before we move on? Well, yeah, look, uh, look. in principle, I do agree with it because I don't, I don't think the two referees was um, doing anything. But I think you made a very good point. I think the way the two referee system has been exercised is, is like, completely always going to fail anyway, right? Because... Uh, actually, what you can do is you just make it very simple. You have a ruck referee and you have a 10-metre uh, referee, essentially. Um, you know, one referee's job is to control the ruck. Refer- oh, sorry, police the ruck, I should say. Because that's the other thing, you know. Are they are these referees, are they judges or are they police people? You know, that, you know, like, are they trying to enforce the rules or are they trying to, uh, you know, prove intent like a you know, like like a lawyer, you know, trying to ascertain that, you know, and then uh, and then you've got the ten uh, ten meter, uh, you know, the referee that sort of um, you know sort of marks out the length, so that you know the whole game you've got the one referee who is calling the ten meters away, he sees the ten meters. You've got the other referee calling the ruck and the timing of the ruck the way he sees the ruck. I think that's how the two referee system could work. But we're scrapping it um, for the season, and I think that um, you know I don't necessarily believe it's going to lead to more consistency because you know it's just the nature of, of what we need to do. But you know another thing that probably we've got to look at is we've got to look at maybe how we're doing the whole system of refereeing. You know, in the corporate world, uh, you know, if you can't make a decision, um, you don't throw it back to the person who couldn't make the decision in the first place. But we tend to do that with the uh, you know with the what the referee is. What we should be doing is we should be sending it up the chain. So it should be, all right, video referee, and the video referee can't make a decision. So he presses a button, and uh, we get Peter Volandis on the phone. Peter, try or no try. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Peter could just make the decision on the spot because that's how it works in corporate world. You know, you sort of just bring it up the chain. You know, it's the, the high court of rugby league, you know, and uh, – and you know what? These immortals, uh, these immortals, let's not be immortals by name. These immortals should be the ultimate decision makers for refereeing decisions as well. So make them work. Peter can't, <laughs> make them work. Make them work. That's right. That's right. If you're such a great player, so much judgment in your playing career, we need a bit of your judgment right now, fellas. Is it a try? Is it not a try? You know, um, I think that's the way the way the system can, can sort of evolve and change over time. But, yeah. Uh, but look. Sorry. Go sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no I, I'm done there, Dr. T. Oh, okay. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, yeah. look, you, you made some really excellent points about the Immortals. And I think, look, if there's one thing we've learned from the COVID crisis, uh, we, uh, we, we know how to do Zoom parties. And I think what we need to do is yes. have – all the immortals, uh, you know, now we can just have a bunker from home. Have mm. We don't need a bunker. All we need is get the immortals onto the ultimate Zoom party 
One, yeah. one screen watching uh, the full screen game, and on the other screens, uh, you can see all the all the faces of uh, you know whoever the immortals are just sitting back and uh, you know having a drink at home or with the kids or whatever, uh, you know. And then when the time comes, you know, just like you, you've you've Commissioner Gordon flicks a switch for Batman, uh, you know, flick the switch, call the call the immortals from Zoom. Uh, what do you think, guys? Uh, is it a try or no try? And then uh, see, and then have them vote for it or something like that. You know, I'm sure you could do it. You could do justice to the to that kind of uh, approach. But but look, the yeah. other thing is, uh, you know, you know, all jokes aside, I think uh, let's not get started about the benefit of the doubt rule. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's <laughs> the other the other problem. Like in my day, I'm going to sound like an old, uh, you know, an, an old angry old man. You know. You know, back in my day, Tish, young Tish, uh, back in my day, uh, when 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 the referee wasn't sure about something, uh, then he wasn't going to give the try. <laughs> you know, how about we err on the side of if you're not sure, don't give a try. You know, basically mm. that's it. Rather than oh, I'm going to give a benefit of the doubt, it's like no, if you're not sure, and if the video isn't providing conclusive evidence, how about you just say no try. How about that? You know, you can yeah. you can um and ah about it, but the point is that if people looking at it on super slow motion can't work it out within the space of say a minute, then then I would say not even go back to the referee and and what is their um you know to meet like what is it called ref's call you know a uh, ref's call. Well, the ref said I thought it was a try, but I, I just want to be sure. No, mate, if you weren't sure, and then the people up in the box aren't sure, then it ain't a try. Don't call it. You know, that to me, I'd rather have a situation where it's harder to get a try because yeah. because all you know, only in situations where when lots of people look at it, they can't work it out. I think that's better than having these really silly decisions where, you know, a fingertip gets on a ball just as it gets on the corner post and on the mm. hand and the hand gets on it and oh you know, we're gonna call that a try. It's like, well, if you're not sure, you know, even in super slow mo, it doesn't look like they were putting pressure on the ball. Then don't mm. call it because you know what? The majority of the crowd will be okay with that. They will be okay yeah. with yeah, probably, probably was like if you were to play that in the park, park footy, you'd probably go no try, Jimmy, try again. You know, yeah. And and this is what we need to get back to. We need to get back to common sense and having yeah. super slow mo and things like that decide in favour of tries when in reality most of us would go, that's no try unless unless it was real, you know, in terms of co- how confident are you that that's a try, probably very low. Well, then don't give it. Don't give it at all. And I think most people will find that that's okay because at least you're being consistent. <laughs> you're being consistent in that you're setting the bar a little bit higher about yeah. in terms of – so things like that are really, to me, the solutions – to this kind of a of situation with refereeing uh, yeah. where we've kind of, you know, I guess the overall problem in my last comment is we've kind of, um, you know, it, it's, it's, we need to stop this kind of refereeing by committee and just yeah. get back to refereeing based on certain principles that we all agree uh, just like the one I said, yeah. if, unless you're not sure, don't give a try, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure we can come up with some things that most people would agree with, but definitely yeah, not this, uh, you know, by, yeah. by committee kind of thing. 
there's got to be, well, for a try, because it is the most important uh, way to score, it needs to have a definiteness to it, you know. Um, I say take a leaf out of Ninja Warrior's book, you know. Uh, why don't we put two warped walls at either side and you've got to... <laughs> You've got to run up the wall and you've got to hit the ball on the buzzer. And we know because we hear the buzzer. All right, they've hit the buzzer. We can hear the buzzer. It's a try. Do you know what I mean? Um, that would make it really hard uh, for for players like, uh, you know, poor old James Maloney. The little blokes in the game wouldn't be able – they'd have to be propelled up that warped wall by another that's player. That's right. That's right. Well, you, there you go. You got your own player. See, you're allowed. You're not allowed to advance the ball forward, but you could advance the player that has the ball forward. Um, yeah, so, I don't. Yeah. I don't like the looks of that. I don't. <laughs> I just feel <laughs> like, that we're just going to have. Uh, you know, poor, poor old Alan Langer would have just been thrown around everywhere. We're only, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't that's think right. that's a good that's look. Right. But uh, look, let's leave it there before it gets really silly. But I think. Uh, Look, yeah, let's let's hope that the referees are right in that at the end of the season we look back and and make a clear decision and go forward. But I really do hope they go back to one referee. I know that the refs aren't going to like that, but I think it's in their best interest because it also means that we, we're maturing a bit in terms of letting the refs actually control the game. And I think they'd like that. I think secretly they'd like the idea that, you know, that they've got more decision-making ability and more trust has been put in them. And I think that's the key thing. So, look, let's move on. Tackle number four. All right. The NRL has asked Asada for a please explain over Bronson, how do you say his name? Cherry? Cherry. Cherry. Uh, His drugs result delay. Tish, what is that all about? Okay. Well, look, big news in the NRL. Uh, We're talking so positive about the NRL. Uh, podcast and so is everybody else but just when you thought that rugby league is out of its mess uh you know we sort of shoot ourselves in the foot so just three days before the uh start of the season you know bronson cherry a young cronulla player touted to uh you know to one day play represent new south wales and australia well it's come out that he is tested positive for i think it's a cocktail of six uh, banned substances by the Australian Sport Anti-Doping Authority. Um, but interestingly, the NRL is actually asking an explanation from Asada, the Australian Anti-Sports uh, Doping Authority, uh, about the time it took for them to inform uh, you know, everybody on the Bronson Cherry positive result. As uh, as the Sharks colder, yeah, um, Cherry... You know, issued a public statement uh, declaring that he's devastated, obviously because the minimum ban is about four years, and after being um, you know provisionally suspended, so he's suspended indefinitely at the moment until they test his B sample. Um, you know, uh, Cronulla have also come out and said, uh, you know, if we knew that Cherry had uh, actually tested positive, we wouldn't have released John Morris, uh, Josh Morris, I should say. Um, if we'd known earlier. So essentially Bronson was tested back in December. I think it was actually November 2019. And uh, the result comes out three days before the start of the NRL season. So very dubious timing. 
Yeah, I know that sounds like, well, maybe that's coincidental. There's been so many different things that have happened. But I wanted to take you back to the James Siriago drug scandal that actually happened last year as well. James Siriago tested positive and they waited for a month to actually make the announcement. And they made the announcement just two days before the NRL Grand Final. So we've kind of happened... Had it happened twice in a row, that Australia, that you know, that Asada have decided to come out and, um, you know, put a positive, uh, put a uh, a negative uh, sort of uh, a negative story out in the media uh, two days before the NRL has started, and I just wonder if there is a ulterior motive sometimes with Asada and um, how they actually announce the uh, drug, uh, how they announce the drug, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, you know, scandals because they did the worst possible time for the NRL. Um, look, granted, we've got a player that tested positive, but, you know, we really should have known about this, um, you know, early, like much, much earlier than what the podcast. So, um, any thoughts there, Dr. T? Yeah, I think uh, it's. Look, it's hard to it's hard to understand what what goes on behind the scenes in terms of uh, decisions, and you know, who knows? Maybe they went through a whole process of uh, double checking and all sorts of things before they before they made the decision to move on. Maybe there were there were other mitigating circumstances as to what what they needed to confirm before you know communicating that result. Um, I guess I guess the key thing is you know. In, in very recent times, we've had uh, a very prolonged period of a lockdown where nothing really has happened. Uh, I'm just sort of wondering why that, you know, why didn't it come out earlier? Uh, you yeah. know, we've, had, we've waited this long and on the eve of the NRL's return is when we hear about this. And, and that to me is, uh, it smacks of, uh, you know, I'm not going to suggest deliberate. It's very coincidental that yeah. it happens right now, and it didn't, you know, it, it, that it took this, this long for it to be, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, um, look, I don't know. I mean, I think a, a lot could have happened uh, um, uh, in the meantime. A, a lot of other decisions could have been made, and the, I guess the problem is that when things are being delayed like this, and then. And then the whole world goes through major change and the NRL as well in terms of, uh, you know, players being stood down and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, this stuff could have been, could have actually been, you know, quite relevant to that. <laughs> you know, it's not an inconsequential dis, uh, um, piece of information. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. I don't know what the answer is because I can, I can sympathise. I can see both sides. Um, why yeah. certain processes do need to be followed for something that is extremely serious. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're, for whatever reason the, the decision was delayed and for whatever reason of the timing, uh, we've got a serious problem that needs to be dealt with and the Sharks need to do something again. And yep. and again, the Sharks are in the middle of this and, and it's just <laughs> another nail in that coffin of the Sharks yep. uh, as a club, okay. I think. Well, I've got to say, uh, Dr. T, we'll just ask you straight up, is there a drug problem happening at Cronulla Sharks? Well, look, you know, uh, have you heard because the saying about... Because incidents. Yeah. Does it smell like a shark? Does it taste <laughs> like a shark? It is a shark. Uh, you know, it's a mm. bit... 
I don't know. Look, I, I mean, what does that mean necessarily? Like, it's not. Uh, what did he test positive for? It was a. Um, uh, was it? A, do we know exactly what it was? Was it a, a kind of a performance enhancing thing, or was it just a prohibited substance? Because no, no it, it is performance enhancing. Mm. Um, so, so it's six different types of steroids. Um, so yeah, so it was all all to do recovery. It was very interesting because a, a few days before they kind of they kind of inter- interviewed Bronson about how um, you know uh, about you know how he's feeling after his surgery, and um, it was pretty much uh, he was sort of saying how he's got more strength and he's able to run a lot quicker, and uh, you know he's been able to sort of rehab three three times a day. And, and basically, he just outlined all the uh, benefits of every single drug he took, um, <laughs> okay. like at all, as as if he was like reading a label a little bit. So I was kind of like, "Wow, he kind of really knew what he was doing." You know, it was it's kind of crazy. So, except, yeah, except, so for, is, except it, for covering his own tracks. So you know, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, look, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. Look, I think there's. I think the NRL does need to sort of do something in this area because I think Cronulla have had um, just too many incidences at the moment and um, it may not necessarily be somebody in the club I, mean, I don't want to accuse a club or anything like that but it could be sort of the characters that sort of uh, are sort of in and out of the club um, you know sort of the culture behind the club you know, like, you, know, you know every club has got not just you know the people in the club itself but also some of the characters that sort of outside that and Obviously, you know, this is like a young player and he's probably getting advice from certain people. And um, it might be the same certain people that have advised other players that have also tested positive at that club, which, you know, we're very unfortunate. And and hopefully for the Sharks case, we can actually get down to the bottom of um, who's actually uh, the... uh, Who's actually uh, sort of uh, responsible for, you know, who's actually the source of all this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, well, um, hopefully they'll find that out. But look, Tish, just my final comment on this. Look, I know that Cronulla, the, the Sutherland Shire, is known as God's country. Uh, but look, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having a look. I'm just flicking through, just looking through the Bible. I can't see anything about um, performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. God's country. Is there something in the water in God's country? <laughs> <laughs> that is just is just uh, it's it's the fountain of youth, Cronulla Beach. You know, maybe mm. maybe we should just maybe we should do our next uh, podcast there, and uh, and just be full of beans, full of energy. Uh, we'll just yeah. we'll, we'll keep going for four hours. How about that? Because there's something there's obviously something going on there, but it smells <laughs> a bit fishy, and I ain't talking about sharks. All right, yeah. they might need to build a massive hospital out there because that's the only place people recover. <laughs> So quickly from their uh, from their from their illnesses. Yeah, look the 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 giveaway, as you said, was he was talking about all the uh, the positives of of the of the drugs, but he was also he also started talking about uh, having problems with uh, with stomach cramping and runny stool. But you know, like that, he probably shouldn't have overshared. I guess poor poor young fella there. But there you go. Um, look, all jokes aside, I think it's a really serious thing. But hopefully. I really want to get to the bottom of this because really I'm kind of sick as a fan of of seeing these clubs continually drag the game through the mud and not dealing mm. with these problems. Look, if you if players keep coming up with these problems, there's something wrong. The red flags are, are have been red for so long that 
uh, it stains all the other clothes in my washing machine, put it that way. Like <laughs> it please, please look into this Cronulla and the NRL because th- this is we were talking about before the NRL had how many integrity officers. This is what they've been employed to do apart from the salary cap is, uh, yeah. you know, who knows what, what, what uh, you know, what they'll find, but they need to, they need to really step up their game and uh, hopefully, you know, the NRL is doing the right thing, uh, seeking an explanation from Asada. But um, I hope it's not going to, it's not, this shouldn't be seen as an NRL versus Asada thing. It's just got to be um, understanding the process, I think is the key thing. Uh, and, and more to the point that, you know, it's a distraction from the reality of the positive result, which is uh, the, the positive test result, which is a bad result for the game. Uh, and so that needs to be sorted out. But look, let's move on to something actually positive. <laughs> so um, tackle number five. Uh, here we go. Tackle number five. All right. So there has been a bid put forward to create a rugby league museum where it all began at the George Hotel in Huddersfield. Tish, what do you want to? Uh, what's the scoop on this? Yep. So uh, I think it's uh, pronounced Kirkley's, but Kirkley's Council is officially um, bidding to create a national rugby league museum uh, in Huddersfield George Hotel in Huddersfield's George Hotel, where the sport was born 125 years ago. So the council announced in March of this year that it had agreed to a deal to the principal purchase of the George Hotel, in, uh, which is located in the Huddersfield Town Centre. Um, the Grade 2 listed hotel, which has been which was built in 1851, was where the meeting that founded Rugby League in 1895 was held. Um, so Kirkwood Council has confirmed that it, that it is this week submitting a bid to bring a National Rugby League Museum to the hotel um, as a part of a £250 million Huddersfield blueprint for the regeneration for the town. Uh, leader of the ca- uh, council, uh, Shabir Panda, said a huge part of delivering the two hundred and fifty mil uh, pound, sorry, uh, Huddersfield blueprint, is the is bringing the George Hotel back, and obviously rugby league being a big part of Huddersfield and and the Huddersfield history. So this is a very um, very important thing, and I really hope that they can actually, uh, you know. Get this museum, uh, you know, sort of approve this plan for this museum, and it can actually start to take shape because you know, um, there's actually a couple of YouTube videos you can watch, uh, where you know, you sort of, um, you know, the origins of rugby league, and you sort of, you could, you know, the places that they sort of go through and, and how the events unfolded that rugby league actually became a sport, breaking away from rugby union, um, you know, the very first professional sport in the world. Um, you know, had a very controversial thing, you know, the, the whole idea of playing pay, players while they're taking time off work um, and how the game evolved to try and be a more fan-friendly game. You know, capturing all that history, I think, is very uh, important. And um, because, you know, it, you actually look back at the history of the sport and you realise that, you know, rugby league is kind of the pioneer in many different, um, you know, facets of, of professional sport. And... Um, you know, the fact that we don't have a museum that sort of represents all that, I think it's probably where others have been taking the credit that Rugby League truly deserves. And, and hopefully this museum can be, uh, you know, a great tourist attraction for Huddersfield, but also a great place for, like, almost like a Rugby League pilgrimage that we could all make to go out and actually see this museum and, and capture the history of Rugby League. Dr. T, your thoughts? 
Look, uh, I think you used the word there that I, I really think is where the future needs to go for, for this kind of uh, initiative, which is pilgrimage. You know, one of the things that, that people uh, that we don't have in the game is an appreciation, really, of the history of the game. That's why we kind of follow, um, you know, people like Tony Collins over in the UK and, you know, others, uh, even locally, like others like Steve Mascord here, who, uh, you know, a journalist who actually, uh, you know, continually tries to remind us of, of the history of the game, but also looking forward uh, in a particular way and, and about what the future is of the game. And I think, uh, you know, the idea of not this not just being a one-off thing, that's not just about commemorating the place where the game began, but actually kind of potentially it being part of a suite of... Uh, historical things that, you know, maybe the idea is, look, we need to just be more appreciative of these stories. And Rugby League has had so many amazing stories. I remember as a kid, Tish, looking at, you know, reading quite a few uh, really interesting autobiographies from players that I grew to love, you know, watching the game, players like, you know, Peter Sterling, uh, Greg Alexander, people like that and many others i think i think the wayne pierce one i think i remember reading things like that and in all of those uh stories you know you got the sense of the in, in sorry in all of their autobiographies that, that there were such great rich characters in the game and great stories and it just feels like a lot of that's kind of forgotten like i don't know how many kids nowadays would be as obsessive as i was back then you know like reading reading about the history of the game from a player's perspective, reading about their experiences, and and especially the things that I really loved about some of those uh, autobiographies, to me, were the recounting of the kangaroo tour stories where these Aussie players, you know, world-conquering players, best-of-a-generation type players would get together it wasn't, I mean, yes, it was a bit of a piss up for them like that. It was the end of the year. It was uh, a bit cruisy, but it was actually a time that they bonded as players at the elite level. You know, they were world champions at the time. Uh, and 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 they went over there to where the game started. Again, like the Kangaroo Tour, symbolic of not just a team going from one country and touring another. It was about the kangaroos team the you know the colonial outpost of australia returning to the motherland of of the british empire kind of thing and and being part of that rich history playing against teams like warrington etc um but the stories that i would read about you know the places that these guys went to uh the things that they got up to you know this is all missing from our current generation they don't know anything you know previous to you know, most of them wouldn't even know what Mal Meninga was as a player. <laughs> you know, all they know is mm. he's a coach of Queensland. It's like, that's nothing compared to what he achieved as a player. And even then he achieved so much. So, you know, this and the stories and the, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's all missing. And the pilgrimage thing is, is amazing that you said that because wouldn't it be great if we had, if we collectively came up with, and let's, let's do this. Maybe we should do this as a little bit of an activity, uh, you know, next time around. Let's come up with our seven greatest wonders of the rugby league world. What are seven hallowed places in in the world 
that are relevant and special to the game of rugby league. Well, there's your number one right there. The George Hotel in Huddersfield in England is is uh, is the key one. It's where it all started. It's where those clubs got together and decided, you know, how many 21 clubs or however many it was that decided mm. uh, we're going to break away and form a, a different union called, um, eventually they called them the Northern Union. And, uh, and then that turned into what we know as rugby league today. And, it all started with the, those conversations back then, or, you know, in a pub. I mean, how rugby league is that? <laughs> that it all it didn't start in a boardroom, in a building, in a in a bland building. It wasn't it wasn't at a coffee shop between uh, the two head honchos of multi billion dollar corporations. It was a bunch of clubs getting together at a pub, agreeing to do mm-hmm. something. Uh, to me, that is. That is quintessentially rugby league, and I like the idea of pilgrimage. So, Tish, let's do some homework for maybe next time. Yeah. Let's come up with a a seven greatest wonders of the rugby league world, places where if you were to do a pilgrimage, a bit of a bucket list, where would you yeah. like to go? I mean, I can think of maybe one or two in Australia, you know, already. You've got a lot of people talk about, say, Suncorp Stadium as being one of them. Maybe let's think about that. Maybe there are others that we can think Birch of. Grove Oval. You know, Redfern Oval, you know, Henson Park, mm. whatever, you know, who knows? It, we could come up with lots. Um, you know, well, I, would, I would say Parramatta Stadium, but I think we got, you know, we've seemed to burn, <laughs> we seem to burn everything down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a, it's maybe one rule should be, it's got to be still existing <laughs> or, or at least, yep. at least a couple of walls are standing. You know, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, I like it because, um, you know, what was going for you, I was thinking about this um, almost like a world tour of rugby league uh, places and then I thought about Bo Ryan <laughs> and the amazing race <laughs> rugby league edition. Tish, uh, I, think, I, think you've just, uh, I think you've just come up with our million-dollar idea. Yeah. Let's send Bo Ryan an email and say, what do you reckon, Bo? Our idea, but, you know, we'll, 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 give, you, uh, we'll give you some of the ownership of that. If you make us a few million off it, but uh, look, yeah, absolutely, it's a great Sounds idea. Good. It's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so shall we move on? Let's go uh, rounds. Uh, well, tackle number six. Here we go. All right, tackle six is our round three tips. That's right. We are in round three. Finally, <laughs> the return of rugby finally. league. So look, uh, this could take forever, but since we we don't really have uh, much in the way of uh, you know last week's form, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it should be actually pretty quick. So, look, let's go. Uh, and thankfully, the NRL uh, website has actually uh, ranked the teams according to their current position on the table. So now we know that this first match, the Broncos and the Eels, is between the fifth place and the first place Eels. Uh, you know, so what do you think? Well, I'm obviously going to go for the Eels, but it is. Oh, by the way, the stadium thing is very interesting. So they're going to play be played to uh, with no people <laughs> at all, which is going to be a bit weird. Um, at Suncorp Stadium, uh, this first game, Broncos and Eels. I'm tipping the Eels. What about you, Tish? All right. Well, before we go into that, you know, um, I'm assuming since rugby league is counting the first uh, two two rounds, um, are we also uh, counting the the first two rounds? as well for our tipping? Look, uh, look, I don't know, Tish, it's up to you, but I think uh, given that the Eels uh, – oh, look, I don't know. You think I would say uh, – It looks like Toyota has got to you, Dr. Town. I was thinking, what is that new car? It's um, 
you know, I think the Roosters uh, have got to you, haven't they? Uh, have they bribed Doctor T here? Have we? Have you? Have you done the uh, Greg Hollywood Hartley? What's going on? What is going on? You're mixing your metaphors, mate. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Look, uh, I I can guarantee you I have not been bought or sold by anyone. Uh, And, uh, but look, I don't mind. Let's, let's do the count. But look, to be honest, the reason, the reason I'm hesitant to, to go back to adding our scores from the last two rounds is uh, quite frankly, I I have no idea where our I'd have to dust <laughs> off, I'd have to dust yeah. off our our notes from those two podcasts. It's been so long ago. I think I think actually uh, I think it may have been auto archived by our Google Drive, <laughs> so, Google, uh, never to be found again. So look, it's been so long. In fact, look, it's been so long. I believe it was pre digital era. So mm-hmm. look, you know, it's all on paper, and I think I've lost it. So, sorry about uh, that. It's okay. It's okay. That's all right. If Asada can be seven months late, we can lose a file. That's all no right. Problem. Let's let, so let's start again, shall we? So, <laughs> shall we start all right. Again? Eels for me for this one. What about you, Tish? Um, look, uh, yeah, I think the eels as well. Um, but I think the, oh, it's going to be a tough one. But I think the eels. I don't know what, I'm going to change to Broncos because I just realised Broncos were thrashed by the Eels last year, and I think they will be really up for this game. So, um, so you're going to because the Eels are yep. So I, th- I think the Broncos can do it. Oh wow, well, there you go. All right, Cowboys and Titans are playing in Townsville, seventh place, sixteenth. I think uh, this is a no-brainer. The Titans are going to struggle all season, whether they have yep. one referee or two for for them or against them. <laughs> Makes no difference. Yeah. Cowboys for for mine. Yeah, Cowboys for me as well. Um, their break has been very uneventful, but they've got Matt uh, Morgan is sort of back from um, Matt Morgan. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's back from surgery uh, from his shoulder as Ma- well. So Michael got Morgan. Some, yeah, Michael Morgan. He got he got yeah. So Michael Morgan's got some uh, that, and I think obviously Valentine uh, Holmes as well has had. You know, a few more training sessions has got his body more rugby league orientated and orientated. Meanwhile, the Titans have had players um, not wanting to take flu shots, um, and you know, trying to sign everybody uh, else, like um, you know, trying to sign players from other clubs as well. So I, I don't think the Titans have been, uh, yeah, they haven't really had the uh, the preparation in the. Uh... So Cowboys for me. All right, uh, Roosters and Rabbitohs, 12th plays 8th at Bankwest Stadium. I'm tipping the Rabbitohs for this one. Okay. Uh, look, I'm tipping the Roosters. They haven't won a game, so this is why they're pushing very hard for the uh, for the uh, you know points not to be counted and we start back on zero. Um, but they have Boyd Corner back for the very first time of the season. They've had a pretty quiet, again, you haven't heard too much out of them. Meanwhile, the Rabbitohs have had uh, you know, suspensions to Latrell. Uh, they've had players going to rehab. Cody Walker is out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think just had too much turmoil at the moment, so Roosters for mine. All right. Uh, Warriors and Dragons playing at the Central Coast. Uh, this is a tough one because this I don't know what the what's going to go through the Warriors' heads given the kind of the isolation from their family and all that kind of stuff. Uh Although I don't know, have they actually are they are they been given exemptions to be able to travel? I don't I don't know if that's been the case, but uh, how they handle this will be very interesting. But I actually think it may bond them together a bit better as a team. So I'm going for the Warriors on this one. 
Yeah, look, I'm going to go the Dragons. I, I feel it's more of a, a safer sort of bet with the Warriors. Obviously, they're all uh, camped out in Australia, which is going to bond them. But then they've got a few injuries. And um, the good news is that the NRL is taking care of them a little bit um, by allowing them to sort of um, have players on loan from other clubs, which is really going to help them a little bit, I think. So, um, so I think the Warriors um, will do some good uh, things towards the end of the season, but I think at the moment the Dragons are going to be too strong. Sharks v Tigers on Saturday afternoon at Bankwest Stadium. And look, uh, you're talking about the Titans before, Tish. Uh, I'll tell you who's not afraid of injections, uh, Sharks players. No, anyway, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> the Tigers for mine because I think the Sharks, are, you know, you can't play well under the circumstances, the, the negative press. It's got, to, it's got to cause ripples in the club and difficulties with uh, getting your mind on the job. So I think the Tigers... Plus, the Tigers are building anyway. They're, uh, they're, I, th- I think I look forward to them playing really, really well this year. So, Tigers yeah. for mine. I'm guessing they're also your tip. Yeah, absolutely. The Tigers uh, for me as well. Uh, yeah, the Sharks, are, again, uh, you know, uh, the Bronson issue, the Morris leaving. Got a couple of things that they had to contend with. And um, uh, they're, not, they're not really known as a team that has that self-discipline. Yeah. Um, on or off the field. So I don't know how they would have went in the break. So I think the Tigers, uh, meanwhile, the Tigers, Michael Maguire, uh, Maguire Jerry Maguire, uh, you know, Andrew Maguire, you know, our coach, he's been phenomenal and he's probably going to, uh, I could see him really getting hard on his players sort of thing. So, yeah. So Tigers for mine. All right. The Storm versus the Raiders at Amy Park in Melbourne. Uh, this is one of those games where, look, you know, Ricky Stewart's got the the, the wood a little bit on uh, on the storm. He's one of the few coaches that have worked out how to niggle and, and, you know, annoy and get over the top of the storm. But the storm, the storm are very much, you know, when, when they're on, they're super on. And, and when Bellamy's on fire, when he's got the fire in his Bellamy, uh, he really mm. does uh, fire them up. And it's really hard to tell. Uh, if they're going to be good or fantastic, uh, the Storm. And if they're only good and the other team is fantastic, which the Raiders have been against them quite readily recently in recent mm-hmm. times, uh, they can you know, cause an upset. Having said that, the Raiders are entitled to be considered favourites here because of what they did last year. And uh, look, some of the players that they have lost, they've actually uh, haven't lost too much because I think one of the things that we haven't really spoken about is uh is Jordan Rapana actually coming back mm. to the club, which uh, he, they lost that's him right. to Japanese rugby, and having him back is uh I mean that's a huge boost. He he was so rock solid, one of the world's mm. best on the wings there. Um, so they did lose something from last year with some of the players moving on, etc. But but to have Jordan back, I think is a major major boost. So and that's happened during the COVID crisis. So I think uh, having him back for round three, where he wasn't there in rounds one and two. I think will be a huge boost. So Raiders for mine. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I am also going to go for the Raiders on this one. Um, look, the, the storm. Uh, yes, I do believe in that this one. I, I do believe that they would have had a good preparation, but I think they've, they've had some issues. You know, they had that issue in Aubrey where they were allowed to train them. They're not allowed to train and so forth. 
Um, I think uh, I, I know a few of their players also had. You know, Brandon Smith had an issue being stuck in New Zealand and coming back and so forth. So I think I think they kind of lost their groove a little bit during that break. Where I think the Raiders have been a lot a lot more solid. As you said, Rappiner coming back um, to the rugby league. When we announced the legend coming back early in the show, I think some people were thinking, "Oh, we're going to talk about Jordan Rappiner," but unfortunately not. Um, plus, they have isolation specialist Iso Soliolo. Um, as as well in their, in their squad, which has obviously helped them through this isolation period. His name's and, uh, yeah, so this... Soliola, not ISO. <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking. Good on you, mate. That, that's one of your best. All right. That's one of your best. right. Yeah. And also, so, don't forget yeah. in the second row, the the Raiders have Elliot Whitehead. He probably should get that Whitehead seen too, because that could be a sign of uh, COVID. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's right. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, so look, um, yeah, so I think, uh, yes, I think they would have traveled. The only, the only problem, I think the Raiders been a bit hard done by by the the fact that Campbelltown's become their home ground. So essentially, their home games they have to travel three hours, and uh, every away game they're also going to have to travel three hours because they're sort of out in the middle of nowhere a little bit. So, um, you know, it's different for. Melbourne, Brisbane, and uh, you know North Queensland, those clubs because they essentially um, fly in and fly out. They don't have a problem, right? But with Canberra, um, you know, flights to you know what to Bankstown Airport. You know, how are they going to get to Campbelltown every week? I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge Tish, for them. So Tish, it's only a two or two and a half hour drive to Campbelltown. It's not that bad. I, okay, I, okay. I, I wouldn't worry so much. I think. Uh, yeah, I think the the main worry would be uh, other teams in Sydney who have to travel to Campbelltown in peak hour traffic because <laughs> <laughs> that can take longer than three hours. But anyway, um, look, that's so you've, you're tipping the Raiders there. So the next one is Panthers and Knights. And oddly enough, r- rather than play at Panthers Stadium, again, funny situation, they've got a tr- their home ground is Campbelltown Stadium. Really, really strange, but there you go. But look, onto the game, Panthers, Knights. Uh, Panthers, well, you know, Look what's happened in the last six weeks, uh, six, seven, eight weeks or whatever. We've had Nathan Cleary totally, you know, in the in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, but the Knights have been in the news for the right reasons mostly because they've had some pretty good indications that they're building a very strong club, a strong kind of core set of players. The Knights are looking up and up, and I'm tipping the Knights for that one. What do you think? Yeah, look, I am going to tip the Panthers. I think, yes, they're, they're missing Cleary because of, uh, you know, uh, TikTok gate. Um, but <laughs> they still have a very good roster and they do have a very good team. Um, both these teams are undefeated at the moment as well. So this is a top-of-the-table clash as well. So, um, But I just think that the that the, the Panthers, uh, you know, they, they, they seem to be doing all right at the moment. So it's the Panthers for mine on that one. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Actually, the, the other thing we should point out is that the top six teams have all won two games, and the and the Eels really uh, they're only on top because of uh, the four and against, and the Knights are, are second. But really, they also won their first two games anyway. So, uh, Eels, Knights, Raiders, Storm, and Broncos and Panthers are the the six teams that are uh, lossless. <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. Um, the final game of the round is uh, uh, the Sea Eagles versus the Bulldogs, and this is an interesting one as well because, 
you know, obviously the Seagulls and Bulldogs have had a bit of a modern rivalry with, uh, you know, with, with the, the back and forth of Des Hasler. Um, and I think, uh, I think what he's got going with the Seagulls is uh, a good positive culture again. And, you know, in a way, he is uh, out Bulldogs in the Bulldogs at the Seagulls. He's turning them mm. into the Bulldogs kind of uh, type of team and uh, making them tough, making them resilient. Uh, they're a force to be reckoned with this year. So I reckon the Seagulls are going to probably trounce them, actually. Yeah, um, look, I think uh, I agree with your Seagulls for mine. Um, if we just think about the coaching, Dean Pay was actually, uh, he had to take leave without pay uh, during the crisis. Meanwhile, Diz Hasler, I'm not so sure if he was leave without pay or not, but we saw images of uh, how effective he was on the phone um, after the decision in, in last year's uh, you know, final series. And I could just imagine him calling his players every day during lockdown and making sure that they're on track for returning back to rugby league. Um, so I think the Manly would have, uh, yeah, I think that they would have had a pretty good preparation. They would have been one of the more prepared clubs than any other club, just purely fact on Dez's uh, ability to uh, motivate players, uh, you know, through his uh, telemarketing skills. So, um, I, or negotiation skills, or, or, or whatever you want to say. So, look, I think I think the Seagulls format are going to be great. The Bulldogs, you know, the Bulldogs, they were tough in the first two two games, but I still think they lack a little something. Uh, that's why they've sort of been very vocal in the market to try to get more players. Do they really have? I mean, without Kieran Foran, uh, they they always seem to struggle, but they don't really seem to have uh, the ability to create enough opportunities in attack, and they don't have. Um, enough finishing ability as well to finish off, um, you know, a good set of play. So I think that's probably what is hurting them at the moment. Um, so, so I don't see that. Whereas, you know, Sea Eagles, they've got the, you know, the the Trebojevic brothers and they've got Daly Cherry Evans. They've got some pretty classy players out there that can make things happen. So Sea Eagles for mine. And uh, look, really looking forward to this week of rugby league. It's going to be fantastic. Back. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I actually want to watch every single game because I think every single game is, is throwing up questions about how how every each team is going to go this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, in a, in the time of not normal, no normality, I think, or an abnormal time, I think uh, trying to get back to the, the, the general thing of trying to work out who's in form, what are the, you know, what are the patterns we're seeing in the players? Uh, it's going to be a bit uh, volatile in the first few weeks once we, uh, the dust has yet to, to settle. Uh, and then uh, let's see how we go. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a super weekend. So, look, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, don't forget, everyone, to contact us. Uh, we, there's many ways you can contact us. Uh, you can reach us by email on rlrepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, rlrepublic.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, on Twitter, and on iTunes as well. So please connect with us any which way you can. Uh, and, uh, and and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you, uh, anytime we drop a new one, you get notified. And, uh, and yeah, please keep listening. Thank you so much for your support. Um, and, uh, yeah, over to you, Tish, to wrap it up. Well, look, thank you for another tremendous episode. To thank everybody out there for listening for uh, to this edition of the, of the Rugby League Republic. Um, join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. 
Bye for now.